You can read these stories and find out more about our books at blackandeducation.com. In the summer of 1835, Arthur Bowen was on his way home in the evening when he reached the front door of his owner's residence. Bauer was about 18 years old, and he was owned by a woman by the name of Anna Thornton, who was the widow of the first architect of the U.S. Capitol. To tell you a little bit about William Thornton, he was born in the British West Indies, and his proposed design for the United States Capitol was accepted by George Washington in 1793. He was awarded $500 and a lot in the city of Washington for his work. He moved to the city in 1794, and George Washington appointed him to a position of one of, as one of the city's commissioners. Thomas Jefferson later appointed him head of the U.S. Patent Office in 1802. Now, Anna Thornton was his widow. On the night of August 4, 1835, Arthur Bowen came into Anna Thornton's home. He picked up an axe he found, and he went into her bedroom. She was in the room with Arthur's mom, who was also being enslaved by Anna Thornton and her own mother. Arthur stood in the doorway with the axe under his arm, and Anna woke up to see him standing there. She was shocked, and she ran to get help. Arthur reportedly was drunk. Anna returned with neighbors, and it was reported that Arthur Bowen was demanding that he had as much right to be free as Anna Thornton had. While all this was going on in Washington, there were other troubles brewing in the city. In the U.S. Navy Yard, white workers were at odds with black workers. Yes, there were free black workers as well as enslaved workers who worked at the U.S. Navy Yard. White workers who were of Irish and other descent were called mechanics. And at the time, mechanics were very dissatisfied with their working conditions, and some of them felt that additional black workers were being used by the commanders to break their strike. Michael Schreiner was an African-American man who was enslaved at the U.S. Navy Yard. He remarkably kept a diary about his life. Schreiner noted that while all the strife was going on about the working conditions in the Navy Yard, a rumor began to spread about Beverly Snow. Now, Beverly Snow was an African-American man who owned a very popular restaurant called the Epicurean Eating House. The rumor was that Snow had made some very disparaging remarks about the wives and mechanics at the U.S. Navy Yard. While all this was going on, the word got out about Arthur Bowen. Bowen was arrested, and white mechanics from the Navy Yard began to gather at the jail where Bowen was being held. They vowed to hang Bowen without a trial or without a jury for attempting to try to harm Anna Thornton. They were unsuccessful in their attempts to gain access to the jail, but they then began to discuss the rumor about Beverly Snow's alleged remarks. Snow's business was not far away, and a group of them decided to walk to his restaurant. Luckily for Snow, someone gave him a heads up about the impending danger, and he escaped. But his business did not escape. McCannis ransacked Snow's restaurant. They stole inventory. They broke up his equipment. Then the crowd began to turn their attention to churches, other businesses, schools, and homes owned by black people. After the rioting was all over, just about every schoolhouse in Washington for black children was either destroyed or damaged. Now, Arthur Bowen then went on trial for attempting to murder Anna Thornton. Francis Scott Key was the district attorney in the area, and he was responsible for prosecuting Bowen. In addition to Arthur Bowen, Dr. Reuben Crandall was arrested for circulating seditious libels or papers about the abolition of slavery with the intent of inciting free or enslaved black people to violence. Arthur Bowen's trial came up first. He was easily convicted and sentenced to death. After the trial, however, Anna Thornton launched a campaign to save Bowen. She wrote a long letter to the Vice President of the United States at the time, Martin Van Buren, and asked for his help. President Andrew Jackson eventually pardoned Arthur Bowen, and he did not die. Dr. Reuben Crandall would be tried next. It is important to note that Francis Scott Key was a member of the American Colonization Society. 
The aim of the American Colonization Society was to provide, reportedly, an avenue for the voluntary transportation of free black people from the United States to Africa as a way of giving them the opportunity to enjoy the fruits of freedom and as a way of providing slaveholders a pathway to free their enslaved people without having to worry about all the negative consequences of having to interact with free African-Americans in the society. The ACS did not see African-Americans as equals. They did not seek an immediate abolition of slavery, and many of its members were slaveholders, including people like the famous Senator Henry Clay, President James Madison, and Francis Scott Key, the author of The Star-Spangled Banner. They felt that an integrated society would never work, and that slavery had to be gradually eradicated if it would ever be eliminated. When Reuben Crandall's trial was held, the beliefs of the American Colonization Society would also be discussed. Dr. Crandall, as we have mentioned, was on trial for circulating seditious libels or papers about the abolition of slavery with the intent of inciting free or enslaved black people to violence. During the trial, Francis Scott Key was forced to defend his stance on slavery and that of the American Colonization Society. Francis Scott Key argued that abolitionists and their propaganda were a threat to the safety and happiness of the entire slaveholding community. He spoke of slavery as an evil, but said that emancipation was a far greater evil. He argued that colonization from the United States to Africa was a safe and practical way of providing for the gradual emancipation of enslaved people. Abolishing slavery immediately, however, would be an endanger to the slaveholding communities and to their property. He further characterized pamphlets about the abolition of slavery as being designed to appeal to the emotions of the slave. He argued that men who gave out such pamphlets were doing so with dangerous goals, and if they were allowed to come to an area and to freely circulate such papers, then that would be an end to the protection of the lives and the property of the people of the South. After all the arguments were over, the jury deliberated for about one hour, and Dr. Reuben Crandall was found not guilty. Despite all the violence in the homes and the churches and the schools that were destroyed during the riot of 1835, none of the mechanics who committed the violence were ever arrested. 